What's up, everybody? It's a brand new week. We are still, I believe we're still suffering from a little bit of a Oscars hangover, but it's time for a brand new episode of Movie Time. You got myself, Renee, Loki Geek here, and Blake the Wolf. What's going on, dude? Renee, we're back to being on video. We're doing this. Yeah. We're on my couch just a few days ago watching the Oscars. That's right. I went into fully into immersed into movie world, watching as many as I could. Then you and I did a four hour live reaction, and now we're back to talking about new movies, which that's so it. exciting. Yeah, for sure. And and before we start, of course, we have a very special message for all of you. All you mothers out there, you're all superheroes and mm-hmm. never give up on any of your dreams because mm-hmm. it will eventually pay off in the end. That is some of the main lessons that we learned from this past Oscars. But so glad to have you join us once again. Um, we are going to be talking about a little bit uh wrap up on the whole Oscars situation and you know we'll we'll talk about some highs and lows um things like that things that may have hit the news uh, uh shortly after the ceremony aired so Blake and I will just talk about some of that stuff and uh big movie opening up this weekend and that's Shazam Fury of the Gods Shazam Shazam uh it'll be funny if like all of us changed right now and then we just became I was about to say, like, I just double something checked, else. Made sure nobody or, <laughs> okay, I'm still, yeah, I'm still, okay. Awesome. You and me. Yeah. So we're going to talk briefly about that as well, give our thoughts and review on the whole thing. We'll talk about that interesting cameo in the movie and some of those post-credit scenes and all that stuff. So thank you for joining us. If you've never seen us before ever, well, hello there. How are you? How you doing? Thank you for joining Thank you for tuning in. We are the Movie Time Podcast. We are a re- movie review podcast where every week we get together and we talk about movies. Usually we talk about the latest release of the week and give our thoughts and opinions about all that. So if you like what you see and you want to see more of us because you, you're like, who are these two strapping young fellas here? I want to see more of them every week. All you got to do, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you get notified every time a brand new episode is uploaded. And if you love the sound of our voices and you want to hear more of that, then just go to the Loki Geek Podcast channel on your podcast platform of choice where you could find this episode and many others for your downloading and listening pleasure. So, and for our audio listeners who are already out there, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate all your support. Now, with that all out of the way, we usually like to start off the episode talking about stuff that maybe one of us have caught up on this past week, movie-wise. I'll be honest with you, I have not had a chance to watch anything. (laughs) Um, Really, I felt kind of uh, spent after the Oscars and all that, so kind of wanted to take a quick break before Shazam came out and all that. But uh, yeah, didn't watch a damn thing. Uh, What about you? So, um, I'm, I was in a similar boat, but you know how I uh-huh. heard that watching even more movies. Hey, there you go. I, as you do. Cause I was so, I, and especially at the end, right before the Oscars, I try to watch all the ones I hadn't seen yet. And that means right. all the things that are either too depressing or too dumb earlier yeah. in the year. So it was a rough weekend, just cramming all this content that I had procrastinated for a reason. Then you and I did our four hour telecast. Mm-hmm. Uh, live react and then 
that next day I went to go see everything everywhere all at once in the theater for the fifth time. Oh, nice. Nice. I also re-listened to our episode from March of last year to see how it held up. And I don't know if, I don't know if you want to insert any audio here where I was saying that maybe it would uh, be able to win some awards and you said, absolutely not. Feel free to throw that in here. We can, um, I'll let you uh, edit that. However you see fit. I'm going to keep moving on real quick though, before you respond. Uh, Cause I already beat you on the ballot, you know, what, how many licks can one man take? And then because um, I am unflappable, uh, I saw everything everywhere at once in theaters, took my googly eyes with me, a really sweet young couple. It seemed like they hadn't seen it before. The theater was pretty full, like two showings in a row, oh. late 9 p.m., 10 p.m. It was really cool to go back when people were excited about the movie. A couple next to me seemed like they hadn't seen it before. We're crying at the same moment of the end. Yes, it still got me on the fifth time. And so like before leaving the theater, I did my little random act of kindness, just handed them a couple of the googly eyes. It was like, these are, these are for you if you want them. And they were like, oh, my God, thank you. It was really sweet. I had a little moment with a stranger. And um, then uh, yesterday and the day before, I watched Lawrence of Arabia, which we're not going to wow. do a full review. That's an almost four-hour movie from 1962. Uh, an epic of the old Hollywood type, where it's just a dude walking through the desert a lot. At giant set pieces, huge crowds of people. It was just totally different. And it was, honestly, it was kind of nice after watching all this current stuff to like get a little mm-hmm. more of the, like the Babylon type of retros- Hollywood retrospective moment. And I'm not going to do a review of it. The movie's got some issues, but overall I was like, oh, I, I get why this is, I was just going through like the old long, super high rated stuff and just tried to find one and threw it on, fell asleep. Put on again the next day, took a nap, felt, put it on again, finished <laughs> it finally. Three, three sits. So, yeah. Um, what a, what I, time. I, I will ask you, and I, I know, I respect the fact that you won't give a review on it because, I mean, that's a lot of movie. Um, but do you do you feel like it, it holds up in the, the respect of this is one of the classics of all time? Do you think it still holds up? Like if I believe this is on the AFI's top 100 oh. list right so oh. i was what i did is because i wanted to be able to multi-screen if i needed to so i go to my letterbox i have a huge watch list but then i went to mm-hmm. they have their top 250 narratives movies all time yeah and they also have a documentary list i go through that i do which ones are on the streaming services i have rated by highest i haven't seen it mm-hmm. before english language and then just was like which of these do i want to see and it's super high rated. Like it's an all time yeah. classic. I just want I'd put off because the runtime, which I'm sure I'm not the sure. only person in modern streaming era who's like, well, how long? Um, does it hold up? No. Uh, Alec Guinness, our <laughs> loved Obi Wan Kenobi, is wearing brown face in the movie. Oh, that's and right. I forgot about that. <laughs> there's a few other things. There's a white savior complex from the heart of it. It does kind of comment on that. I read a whole lot of people talking about it afterward. Uh-huh. It does put Lawrence of Arabia through hell, and it's not just this dude did great by helping change these people's culture. Like it's a little deeper than that. Otherwise, it would definitely not hold up as well if it was just saccharine, corny. Mm-hmm. The 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 camera, the cinematography, the directing, the right like it's it's pretty pretty good. It's a There's technical a achievement, especially that for that could, time. Oh, that's that's the whole thing. The spectacle, yeah. the epic spectacle of it all. 
and there's plenty of movies from old era that are just like sound of music wizard of oz we got it's mm-hmm. and it i can see it being on that that list yeah now you got to have about four hours and same with like cleopatra and there's a few of those other older ones that just it i can't imagine many young folks adhd internet age folks like me being able to sit through yeah. that uh, but to put it on before going to sleep was pretty nice. Like yeah, it was pleasant in that for that. So did that. Um, it was like a good sick day movie. Just keep you know you keep you're in and out. It's fine. Yeah, keep pushing through. So yeah, overall, if that's what you're looking for, it's not a bad, no, not no. a bad bet. At least then you can say, oh, I I get it. I get why this is such a big deal. Right. You get to see the influence it had on on modern movies, etc. The yeah. Alec Guinness. Wandering the desert in Star Wars made a lot more sense after seeing Alec Guinness wandering the desert in Lawrence of Arabia, which like George Lucas talks about as a direct, you know, um, um, influence on Star Wars. So there's certain like those big action epics, they make Mm -hmm. more sense now. I, I, I will find it, you know, really funny if you ever sat down with George Lucas and you asked him the question that did you purposely cast alec guinness in that role because he already walked through the desert and i kind of just want him to do it again in my movie i just like watching that guy walk uh, through the desert <laughs> Star Wars is really just an excuse so i could be there in person while he's walking through the desert right uh, and then, i know i, I had a, a, hey. a franchise again. <laughs> yeah. but then it, it is yeah but then it, it is really funny when you hear about how uh, Alec had a lot of issues with Star Wars, and he didn't want to do it in the beginning, and all that stuff like that. But you know, that's that's a podcast for another day and for another totally total reason. But no, congratulations, you accomplished something I haven't been able to do yet. Like that was that's been one movie that I've been dying to watch from beginning to end. I've only seen clips and snippets here and there. I remember my uh, my brother had the I, th- I believe it was like a three VHS set of the movie because wow. this was like one of his favorites um when he saw it a long time ago growing up um and he you know he bought it and i was like there's no way i'm gonna sit down and watch three vhs tapes for one movie <laughs> um but yeah but i do want to eventually one day because you know that is a classic and you know it's it's part of hollywood's like hollywood history so i definitely do want to watch it for sure but yeah you're right these days, the the younger generation, they're not going to be able to stomach anything that long, um, and and sit down. They'll binge freaking trashy TV for like four to five hours at a time. But to watch a singular movie from like the '60s or whatever, they're not going to want to do that, you know, at all. Bite sized pieces, fam. Just break yeah. it off like it's a mini series. Mm-hmm. That's all. Like it, it, that yeah. makes it. And then you get to watch some real high quality stuff next time you're going, oh, what TV show should I watch? Treat it like it's a broken into six parts. Right. Go about your day. There's whole chunks with just literally there's an intermission with and in the intro and the intermission both have about three minutes of black screen and music playing. I'm not kidding. Orchestra. I believe it. So that's no, I believe multitasking. It. That's this is a yeah. great movie to do that too, for sure. Just go, oh yeah, still nothing's happening. Like literally, there's nothing on the screen, mm-hmm. just the score. It's it, it, that I had. I'm not sure I've seen that before. You see it where it's like credits and well, long, yeah. but this was just nothing happening at all. Nothing no, visually, <laughs> just dead air and some music. It, it's great, and and 
it, it's funny because you think about it back in the day, they used to have those intermissions in long movies in the theaters. So it was <clears> only in the theater. It was just in a theater. You had to give people a chance to go to the bathroom without. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Maybe um, even the projector or the actual like reels themselves required it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a mixture of all that, but I think it was mainly because they, they wanted to treat it like, like a show, like a Broadway show, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they wanted to that give people a chance to take a break, use a bathroom, get some food or whatever the case is. And I, I need to recall, but I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Titanic had an intermission in 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 the middle of it. Um, I could be completely wrong, but the one person who brought that intermission back was Tarantino during uh, screenings of The Hateful Eight. Um, if you watched The Hateful Eight during its initial run, when he had it like in the seventy millimeter like format, like really pure cinescope film and all that stuff. He inserted an intermission in the movie. It was just like a good 10 minute. And that was like a nice little throwback to old Hollywood and all that. And, you know, he's the type of person that would do something like that because he's such like a lover of cinema and, you know, especially the the old timey cinema and all that. So uh, really, really fascinating, interesting to see that, especially if you've never experienced it before. But yeah. Um, I'm sure many of the Turner classics possibly have stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So apparently it was because of the actual reel. And then eventually theaters got it to where they had multiple projectors that yeah. were ready to go. <laughs> but that the intermission concept stuck. Titanic, apparently, this might be what you're remembering, there wasn't a baked-in intermission, but theaters would just theaters basically did do stop it. in the middle. And so it was yep. a theater by theater. So maybe you're one of the theaters that did that. Yeah. Uh, the re-release doesn't have it the actual movie doesn't have it in there right uh, so they were just hit pause essentially in the middle of it it's amazing yeah, yeah. no it, it's 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 funny it's funny and, and and again it's a nice callback to relive how how it was back in the day um now everything's digital so they don't need to have any real changes or whatever the case is um it's, it's such right. a such an advanced thing that we live in now but um but name the yeah. oscar nominee that had an intermission last year that we we both loved it was actually said interval with three r's in the middle of it in the which, in the which one was the, that three r's oh. in the middle of the word interval there were three oh r's. yeah 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 you're right you're right i'm yeah. not giving you any more hints than that but yeah, no, no. R, yeah. R, R. yeah yeah you're so, right it's still a thing yeah the tradition's alive yeah, and and, I, and again, uh, I think I think it's coming from people who just want to pay tribute to like classic Hollywood and all that. And yeah. and plus, RRR was really long. I mean, that was a really long movie. Um, and you kind of needed. I've seen it in other that, Bollywood Hollywood movies too, keeping yeah. that tradition alive because that link yeah. is kind of normal. And maybe I'm not sure theater either technology or if that's just part of it. But when mm-hmm. it's that long, and it's kind of it's also there's a whole thing with like a one act and then a second act and it's kind mm-hmm. of baked into they actually right. have like a different plot devices than, than than we typically use here um all that to say i've got i i, I know we have spent we spent so much time on the oscars we did multiple <laughs> episodes we did the live yeah. i've got i've got a couple of thoughts is there anything i know you've had a few days to to reminisce to sit on yeah um so like just uh, it's it's interesting to go back and the one thing I went back 
and rewatched was uh, Jimmy Kimmel's um, kind of like intro, his whole like spiel mm-hmm. in the beginning. And it, it was actually really worth it because you could really hear more or pay more attention to like the subtle jokes and jabs that he had um, that carried on throughout the night. I think one of the things you and I, we, we commented on quite a bit was how many times he jabbed, he took a stab at Will Smith without actually saying his name, but never said it once. Yeah. Never said his name once, but made so many references to who he's referring to. And you really heard it a lot in his opening monologue. And then, you know, you, you, and then I rewatched like some of the snippets that you would see like throughout the night. And it was, he was relentless. He would, he did not let up on it. And it was, it was quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I went back to watch, rewatch some of that stuff because it was really good. I, I totally missed that he took um, stabs at Tom Cruise and Cameron for not being there that night. Yeah. Uh, and he got pretty personal with, with it too, which I thought was like pretty damn hilarious. But with Tom Cruise, it, it was just like a, such a silly dad joke. It was, oh, I know. Yeah. Hubba. It's I know. So, yeah. It's such an innocent wordplay thing, but he is hinting at something. Oh yeah. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of clever and kind of like the Will Smith stuff. He's not really getting dirty no. by doing the jokes. It's more of a concept joke mm-hmm. so that it's not, you know, the Chris Rock special yelling the right. word repeatedly right. about Will Smith. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite. It's 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 Jimmy Kimmel. It's very detached, you know, mm-hmm. conceptual jokes that are not the nicest. And even Babylon was kind of the meanest. Oh joke my god! Of, oh, yeah, you lost a million. Hey, is ba- is Babylon in the house? What? Yeah. I'm just welcoming them. Oh uh, yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's like I'm just saying hi to them. Joke, but we know what he's doing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and and I think that's like the the brilliance of Kimmel that I think a lot of people either knew already going into it, or maybe they weren't exposed to him enough to understand that. And also, I think at the end of the day, he is the perfect host for the older generation too. So he knows how to play the line for both sides because I, I, I was talking to my mom and, you know, she has no idea about movies these days. She doesn't keep up at all. Um, <clears throat> if anything, she keeps up to what we talk about because she, she listens and, and watches what we, we talk about and all that. But when she decided to watch the Oscars and she said she thought Kimball was extremely hilarious and like he was a really good host because you know, he does know how to cater to that that crowd, and he does it really well. That's one of the reasons why his his talk show is still very popular, you know, because he knows how to, like, ride that line in between uh, the new generation and the older generation, which is which right. is really important, right? So, um, yeah, so I did that. Uh, I rewatched some of the speeches, which were really cool, and it was just nice to kind of relive those moments. Um, and then I, I just kind of looked at some of the things that we didn't have a chance to look at in real time. So, for example, like Guillermo del Toro's win. I didn't realize that after winning the Oscars, he is he's become the first filmmaker to win Oscars for Best Picture, Director and uh, Animated Feature altogether. OK, that's a cool yeah, one. Which okay, is very cool. Stat. Yeah. And uh, it was Netflix's first Oscar for animation, for feature animation. So. Um, I thought that was really cool um, in itself. Uh, I also, uh, and I, I guess we should talk about it just a little bit, the whole controversy between uh, behind um, 
Angela Bassett's reaction to Jamie Lee Curtis winning. I I don't know. I don't care who you are. If you were nominated for something and you were really hoping to win, you're of course are going to be disappointed if you don't hear your name called. And I think Angela Bassett was just caught in that moment where I really felt that she really truly was hoping to win. And if she, you know, when her name wasn't announced, of course you're going to have that moment of disappointment, right? The internet. It's natural. Yeah, I think the internet was carrying it way too far, you know, exposing it more for what it wasn't. Um, but, you know, it, was it a surprise for a lot of people? Maybe. It was a surprise for me. Um, I mean, I really honestly didn't think Jamie Lee Curtis uh, should have won. I'm still very happy for her and, I, and I'm happy for her accomplishment. But um, I, I just think it's so silly how the Internet loves to blow things up when it's just a natural reaction. You know, I mean, if, if you and I were nominated for something and then your name was called, of course, I'm going to be like, oh, man, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, I make it a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> knowing you you will make it a whole thing um and oh, yeah. you know you know talking about the little snippets that blake has been sending me and i'll i'll talk about that in a minute after we we talk about some stuff but okay here's a little sample of what i have to deal with outside of the show since blake and i are friends we always usually like to tease each other and joke around and blake is often very competitive so when he wins something He'll gloat about it for the next couple of weeks. This time being the fact that he beat me in the Oscars ballots for this year and the fact that I did at one point say that I didn't think uh, everything everywhere all at once would have chances at the Oscars. But of course, he omitted the fact that I also said I hope I would be proven wrong and all that stuff. But to rub it in my face he produced this little thing, and I'll share it with all of you. You think with all the time he spent on this, he would help out with some of the editing for the podcast, but that's neither here or there. Let's give him his due, because I thought it was very creative. Check it out. I do, actually, I do want to talk about awards with you. Like, Sure. Do you think this, and not even just awards, do you think that this movie gets mainstream appeal? Do you think it becomes a surprise sleeper type indie movie hit at the end of the year award season stuff. I feel like I could easily seeing it have a spectacular run where it's winning original screenplay, mm -hmm. editing categories and getting some serious love, maybe even a deep best, best picture nomination. For me, I think this is going to be this year's pig. You know, like for me last year, pig was one of those movies that again, wasn't expecting it to be the type of movie it was. You know, ended up becoming really well done. I, you know, really felt moved and uh, entertained by that movie. Nicolas Cage gave one of his most brilliant performances that he's done in a very long time. And we didn't hear anything about it come Oscar season. This movie, I think the argument that could be made here is that this is probably Michelle Yeoh's best performance that she's ever given. In, yep. in a very, very long time. And it's not even a full-on fledged action movie, which is all she's really known for. You know, again, she is displaying all of her talents in this movie, you know, and she does a brilliant job at it. Um, and the movie, once again, very much like Pig, you go into it thinking one thing, you leave with something completely different, you know? Yep. Um, and that's what speaks to the way the movie was really well made. Um, but 
we are in April and there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be coming out probably come October, you know, and it, this is going to be long forgotten by then. Um, yeah, so that was just some of the things that I kind of like looked back on and it was interesting to read what was hitting the news cycle after, you know, after the event, because of course there's a lot of things that we don't get to catch in real time. So, uh, what were some, uh, oh, uh, one other thing too, this was actually part of a conversation you and I had offline where because of the change in tone of the Oscars, I really do feel like the producers had a lot of input on how the Oscars played out. Uh, not not result-wise, but tone and feeling-wise. Um, the fact that no one had anything political to say. No one, yeah, they kept it pretty much within the art of film and creativity. That was like the running theme of the evening, right? Uh, the passion of the the artistry and all that. They focus um, on the crafts, especially yeah. after cutting them last year and actually yeah. spending some time for sure. It was like moms and crafts were kind mm-hmm. of the whole, the, the the themes throughout the night. No, absolutely. And, and I do feel like maybe it's possible that the producers spoke to everyone in advance and, and kind of put that precedence out there. Like, this is the tone we want to set for the evening. Uh, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And the sudden, the sudden, like quick changes of who was going to get presented their nominations, uh, made me feel a little bit that either they were very good at taking risks to accomplish the type of effect they wanted to, or they may have had previous insight on who the winners were going to be, um, because they did one thing they did they didn't do this year that they used to do before was they did like a little segment announcing like oh Price Waterhouse Cooper whatever the case is and you know da-da-da-da, voting voting ballots and they would kind of like explain or have like a little thing about the voting process and how that's all determined. They totally nixed that completely this year. Um, so I don't know. It Maybe it's just me being very speculative and all that, but uh, it, it was just really interesting how the evening turned out the way it was with, you know, and that tone, that kind of tone that it was set. And uh, maybe that's what contributed to the 12% bump in ratings um, in viewership, but um, nothing, nothing really to be that proud of given that it's still low compared to how it was like five, six years ago. Uh, so it's like they're really trying to play catch up when they were like here and they're like here moving on up. So I don't know. That's just me. Uh, what were some of the things that you, you wanted to talk about afterwards? Um, yeah, the, the, the numbers going high, higher for two years in a row is actually kind of nice, especially after the off year pandemic times. I don't know how long, you know, if it still stay, I, I don't expect it'll get better over time. This year, tried and true, steady hand. There were some jokes that didn't land and some cocaine bear moments and all that. <laughs> um, it was nice. I rewatched most of the ceremony, not all of it, but the first two thirds or so. And so that was nice, right? Getting some context. And then there's a few things that when you're watching in person, we were reacting on camera that you, you might miss or not understand the context for. So that was good. Um, binging content about it afterward, which is kind of the other thing I do is not only rewatching everything everywhere and um uh but also just and rewatching the show itself but tons of content about it um mm-hmm. 
so that's nice to, to for context i don't i don't think i want to rehash a whole lot of it um i'm very excited to move into 2023 movies but yeah the main thing is it's still shocking to me that everything everywhere did so damn well yeah there's a world where it just swept and there's a world where it got basically blanked and i was thinking maybe somewhere in the middle nope it had a historic night when you Mm -hmm. look over the stats of those awards it's never happened before that many awards above the line and getting best uh, picture that was special for sure so that i definitely don't want to just like oh yeah we knew it was going to happen that's what the odds makers said so it is like that to me is very special when it's a big favorite of ours from time it was released and we were on the everything everywhere bandwagon that's rare and special and one of the weirdest if not the weirdest oscar movies uh ever and that that's a special so i want to like still appreciate that and seeing it again afterward and the theater being full and getting emotional about it i i did something kind of crazy i moved it into my top four letterbox movies my top four all time um that's that's a tough list i i'm not sure like i might start playing with that list a little more now but watching it again and seeing it get just universal love. It's not just like, oh, that's a weird movie made for me and my nerd friends. It was like, no, that's truly a great film. So I, it was nice to see it get acclaim and watch all those folks give great speeches. Um, we talked about another big theme of the night amongst the other ones we were mentioning is folks getting their roses uh, yeah. later in their careers. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. the Daniels, who are the upstarts, kind of almost remind me of the energy of like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon back in the day being so excited to be there kind of energy but then they won more awards than those two did other than that it was all four actors were folks who were getting their due later in life and hadn't been nominated before um those were special speeches and then i was like looking over other awards i guess the all quiet gang is also some newbies some like we're i don't know how we're here thank you for inviting us (laughs) right did really damn well um, but another one that I was looking at was Sarah Polly for Women yeah. Talking. Mm-hmm. Someone else who's been in the industry a long time and went from being a child actor to making artful movies and a great script and getting awarded there after putting in their due in Hollywood yeah. in a totally different you know way than, oh, it's Anthony Hopkins again or Meryl Streep again. Some folks talk about the lack of star power there. There were, there's so many names missing from the telecast. The George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington's, De Niro, Pacino, Jack Nicholson. Like you go through all those, the the people who are normally just all throughout the telecast. It was a totally different night. And I wasn't mad about it. I know. I, I think it's okay for those folks to say, you know what? It's not what it used to be. Someone else was talking about how folks aren't promoting movies as much as they used to because their movies aren't in theaters for as long. I, I'm I'm not mad about moving on from from some of the old er traditions that the Oscars would have, or is the same dude every single year. So getting people who are finally getting new praise and having a redemption narrative in their movie, and then getting new folks in there to me was exciting. And this is my last thing that I've kind of thought about that I, I wanted to say when we were trying to make predictions and going really is everything everywhere really going to do that well and we've been getting these secret ballots and we're hearing about these older voters who didn't get everything everywhere all at once and maybe it's maybe it's not uh it's it's too weird and too new 
And there was this story specifically that was I was laughing about after the Oscars. The person who said they tried to watch it three times and just it didn't make sense to them. And so they kept turning it off. If that is you, then leave the Academy right now. If the best picture winner is too weird and too mind-blowing for you, you, we don't need your opinions to be validated with an official ballot for the Oscars. You can say it's too weird or it wasn't for me. I didn't get it. I don't think they were successful in this, that. But if you literally couldn't follow the movie, which there was part of the speech from uh, Daniel Kwan talking about how movies move in years and the internet moves and did you say milliseconds or light years, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And talking about how like it, it's that's a real thing and there is a problem with our generations we've i was listening to our everything everywhere episode we went into it then with in generation gaps the internet age generation gap is huge and i understand yeah. that somebody who's going ah oh, there are too many different plot lines and it didn't make sense it was too weird that's okay but also if you've been proven that like you know for what it's worth that is a best picture stamp on a movie that if you couldn't follow, but everybody else was saying that's the best movie, then just move on, go do something else. So that's, that's it. It's, it's kind of a rough, it's, it's, it's a little mean spirited. I'm not saying go kill yourself. I'm saying go join a board of a, go be a volunteer at the Oscars museum in (laughs) LA. Spend your weekend. Be an usher. Just be an usher. Get back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A seat filler. Yeah, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 I don't a hundred percent agree with you in that. In in that point, I know where you're coming from for sure. I do, and I just think it it also goes hand in hand with the what you just said about the lack of star power and all that. There's there's a switch happening now in Hollywood, and it's a necessary switch because we are now ushering in a newer generation of actors actresses the star power doesn't drive home business anymore you know back in the day i remember whenever a new movie came out and all they had to say was tom cruise people would Mm -hmm. be like i'm gonna watch that movie because tom cruise is in it or i'm gonna watch that movie because jack nicholson is in it i'm gonna watch that movie because uh scorsese directed it or spielberg is directing it you don't really get that anymore these days. I feel like these days... You got days... social media. If you want access yeah. to celebrities, we got too much already. You yeah. don't need to go, oh, he only does one movie a year. It's my only time to see Jack. Uh, I remember yeah. when he got divorced 30 years ago and it was a big story and I got really involved and I'm rooting for him and whatever. Like, yeah. You got nonstop social media from Anthony fucking Hopkins is great on Instagram. Oh, he's hilarious. You don't need to go yeah. to the movies to see how he's doing. He's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's a good point for sure. It, yeah. It's that's not how the world works anymore. The old no. studio system is gone, and also is gone that same concept. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Recently, and I know I don't know if you saw this news snippet. Someone uh, took pictures of uh, who's that guy? Gene Hackman, who has not been seen in the in the public spotlight for a long, long time. And they're like, oh, my God, Gene Hackman's still alive. And he looks great. He's like 95 years old and da-da-da, this and that. Um, but the internet blew up for like a day because of that that revelation and all that. That 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 kind of star power, that was the star power of movies in the theaters 10, 15, 20 years ago. We don't we don't have that anymore. And you know, it's it's like quick fixes. It's it's more about 
uh, stories. It's more about yeah, how does this make me feel? Does this like you know change my look on on my outlook on life or whatever the case is? Um, you know, so there there is of... no monoculture anymore. No, it's so specialized that yeah, you don't have to go and watch the Oscar ceremony for f- almost four hours and go, oh, they showed Julia Roberts three times. Right. And right. Uh, I liked her reaction that time. And, and right. they made a joke and she rolled her eyes. I'm a big Julia Roberts fan. I'm going to put three and a half hours. No, we're all multitasking. We've all got so many streams mm-hmm. of information. We're all jumping from thing to thing. I think another thing worth mentioning on that is the globalization of everything since the internet age. Sure, yeah. On top of the specialization, but... And you get a more international voting body. So Moonlight winning, Parasite winning, everything mm-hmm. everywhere all at once winning. We're not going to mention there's some weird ones, some green books and, and all that. But that'll continue to happen. But what will also continue to happen is movies that have more influences will right. do better. And we're seeing the first Indian production winning original song. That mm-hmm. should have been happening for a long time. But... Right the movie's on Netflix and it gets a word of mouth campaign. And that's, that's how a movie within the same year can go viral in America. Whereas before it might not have come out for one or two years later. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm getting some noise in the background, so I'll throw it back to you. Oh, good. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, no, but, um, and, and lastly to the point about the, the, the Academy voters who say stupid stuff like that, like, you know, Oh, I, I tried watching it three times and I couldn't get through it. Da, 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 da. That's fine. You know, like 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 movies do affect people differently in many different ways. And sometimes there are movies that some people just can't watch or whatever, you know, it is. But despite that happening, still the movie itself was recognized properly. You know, despite this and I'm sure that is like a very small sample size of people in the academy who are still like that. Um, but that also shows you again the the change and the switch in the culture because if if this was ten fifteen years ago, I do feel that everything everywhere would not have won you know best picture and and maybe not even as many awards as it as it did this this um this uh season but now My, i yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Um, but but now since the culture is changing, the tastes are changing. The the ability to appreciate nuances and different storylines and and complexities and you know all the different types of things that are happening in cinema now. It it's no it's no longer the the classic storylines. It's no longer the tributes to Hollywood. It's no longer the the golden age uh, of of cinema and all that and you know, unfortunately, those who are still stuck in those periods, they're, they they will eventually find they were, they're themselves getting phased out. And I think we are slowly seeing that happening. Um, it's We're not there yet, but I think, you know, eventually come five years, six years, uh, we could see a, a huge switch um, in, in different uh, members of the Academy and, and just types of films that are being recognized, you know, in... in in alignment with what you said too about it also being a more global type of body and all that. I mean, we saw it in the movie Babylon with Brad Pitt figured out what to do once yeah. the industry had moved on. So I'm not saying that they need to do that, but you know, go, go usher somewhere. The, the only the last thing I'll say, and I thought this was interesting. It's 
my favorite stat from Oscars night is Everything Everywhere All at Once was the first movie with hot dog finger butt plug multiverse fight scenes <laughs> to ever win. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. It's the second one to ever win. Uh, no, 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 that's right. Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture. So it was the second movie to have all that. But Citizen Kane technically wa- lost to How Green Was My Valley. So, mm. uh, but yeah, that's that was my favorite stat of the night. Nice. Um, I think the biggest stat in the night for both of us is the fact that A24 was very well represented um, this yeah. year. And it it's amazing. And now if you look at their library and you look at the accomplishments that they've been able to produce from all of these films under their belts. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you really quick was, well, where, where does A24 go from here? They definitely have a formula that seems to be working very well for them, um, which is usually focus on story, not so much on, you know, star power or blockbuster or whatever the case, right? Focus more on story, focus more on creative, Focus more on, you know, people with visions, you know, and then people who are passionate about uh, portraying these special characters, these or telling these special stories, you know, not not focusing so much on budget or whatever. Um, And it's been working out for them, you know. So where does A24 go from here? Should A24 just continue doing what they're doing? You know, they just they're celebrating 10 years. Right. So there has been a decade of them being able to do all this stuff. Or do you think that they should maybe potentially oh, dabble a little bit in the the higher end blockbuster type of movie just to see what they could possibly do? Um, it's the same type of question of when you get a, a director that's so good in indie movies and doing like these indie films. And all of a sudden you throw them at a Marvel film or you throw them at, you know, a DC film, Star Wars. You know, we've seen it with Chloe Zhao and stuff like that. But sometimes they usually they don't really hit it out of the park like, you know, maybe they would have if it was a smaller budgeted film. Should A24 maybe just test the waters a little bit and see what they could accomplish on a, on a grander scale? I mean, what do you think? I don't think that they should. I think they should do exactly what they've been doing, which is stay weird. They recently uh, bought a playhouse in New York City mm-hmm. uh, or like a, a theater. Um, they, we, we were talking about this earlier off air. They bought the David Byrne uh, Talking Head Stop Making Sense documentary. So like yeah. they're getting rights to other things that are also art houses. Literally the play yeah. like, house is like the oldest off-Broadway theater in New York City, something they're not transforming it. They're just diversifying, but staying weird. Right. Sure, they can now have more money to throw at the next everything everywhere all at once, but the Daniels have moved on to, I think it was Columbia Pictures with a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing TV through, through another distributor, but either way, they now can, they can throw money at the next weird action movie like Everything Everywhere. They can throw money at an animated movie like Marcel the Shell the way they did last year. They've been so successful. The stats from uh, their first 10 years is 53 Oscar nominations. That's wild. They had the Amazing. most Best Picture nominations on Sunday night. Uh, Netflix was number two with nominations. But then if you look at wins, between Everything Everywhere All at Once and Pinocchio, and the I'm sorry, 
Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Whale. That's 11 wins for A24. Mm-hmm. All Quiet on the Western Front had four. Pinocchio had one. And Elephant Whispers had one. It was a documentary short. So that gives six to Netflix in second place. Everybody else is splitting one here, one there. Maybe there's a studio that has two um, when you add them up. But all yeah. the other ones, it's Avatars, Top Guns, Black Panther, RRR, all have one women talking. Mm-hmm. So those numbers are wild that they had that good of a night. And when, and the last time a studio had all of those wins at the top never has happened before. It's absolutely unreal. Does that mean that they should then go into the huge blockbuster dumb crap category? I don't think so. They should be able to support and should support movies like everything everywhere. Yeah. A- bigger scoped indie movie but i don't think that they should lose whatever they've been doing is working pretty damn well yeah um i guess my only uh additional thought to all that is it it would be nice if and and this is not necessarily them maybe throwing money into a production and all that but allowing allowing themselves to promote the movies to a more global scale um, to get more people to get to see their their films, you know, um, when everything everywhere came out, if you remember, it was a staggered release, right? It was like one of those things where it hit the major metropolitan cities early, just to test the waters out a little bit. Then, like week by week, it would slowly just kind of increase their theater count, increase their theater count, and all that. But in order to do so, they had to prove to the theaters, look we're getting traction here. Maybe you want to give us a shot. Maybe you want to give this film a shot and all that. Um, So it would be nice if they didn't have to find themselves fighting to get their films in theaters as much as a Disney or, you know, a a Sony or a Warner brothers and all that, because we were talking about a shift in the industry. This right here already shows us that there's a shift in the industry when you have a smaller production house like A24, who's only been around for 10 years, sweeping the Oscars above a Disney, above a Warner Brothers. Two companies that just celebrated 100 years in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, and here's this like up-and-comer who's like, nah, hold my, hold my drink, son. Uh, we got this. You know, so maybe not so much of them venturing into like the blockbuster realm, but maybe increasing their marketing budget or their pull with the theater chains to say, hey, I think now it's time for you guys to give us more of a decent shot to show our films in your theaters. Because I, I guarantee you with the, with the, the, the change in, um, you know, movie going audiences and people going to theaters, they want to see something new, something different. This could be the time now to help that change that or create their own streaming platform service, which I think they should do. I was about to say. Because yeah, be <laughs> I Otherwise, think that, that, they'll do well. Going to Criterion or yeah. wherever else over the years. I know they have a deal with, I think it's Showtime. Yeah. For the the question about the theaters, the theaters should do that for their own interest. They should see, oh, we made a lot of money off everything everywhere. Who made that again? Yeah, make sure to get their next one in theaters in case that works out again. That that will happen anyway. That's just, and you get more credibility you get more Oscar recognition when you've won before, et cetera. You don't want to water down the products 
so much that you lose your identity trying to appease the masses. So those things I think can happen on their own. The, the thing where do they want to emulate the, the, the Disney's and the Warner brothers? No, the world's changed. Somebody was saying how nice it was because normally when there's a studio that does really well, they get a press release. It was yeah. a, a podcaster who works at a magazine saying they get a press release for every movie Yep. It's like within the first day, you get 10 press releases. And they're like, why? We are all on social media. Like the world is not <laughs> that place anymore. But you've just got these juggernaut, bureaucratic, doing things the old way organizations. A24 should just keep doing exactly what they're doing. And then like, at least so far, it seems whatever interests them and excites them, it's a pretty good bet to, to make. What, whoever's yeah. doing their acquisition or their talent scouting, et cetera, pay that person as much as it takes to keep them on board seriously yeah it's like a good it's like a good drafter and gm for for basketball like just whoever's the management making the current decisions that's your main investment everything else yeah. will fall into place if you're keep putting out this quality product no for sure um yeah but uh yeah let us know um you're I'm pretty sure most of you, we're hoping you already are very familiar with A24. So you're pretty much in the same boat as us. But if you're someone who was not so familiar about A24, what they've done, and maybe now you're a little bit more aware. Um, oh, what do you think of this little production house that could and doing all this stuff and you know producing such great quality film? And TV, they do TV too, and I think they're going to venture more into that. We might be hearing more stuff TV-wise from them. Um, and what were some of your favorite moments and takeaways from the Oscars? Let us know in the comments. Definitely would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on all that stuff. Um, you want to talk about this Shazam movie? You want to, you know, Shazam no. it up? <laughs> oh hell yeah! Sorry, Shazam! Hell yeah! Let's get into it, baby. Yeah. I, in my my movie week from hell. Uh, made sure to watch Black Adam before watching Shazam the Fury of the Gods. I'm glad they didn't put Shazam 2 in there because, you know, then you're like, wait, is this a sequel? I don't know. Maybe it's an original piece of content. So they call it Shazam Fury of the Gods. A lot of movies doing that lately. Uh Avatar the Way of Water, Top Gun Maverick. Love to see it. It's a clever trick. I'm ready to talk about it. I need to get it off my chest and and then move on with my life. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this, I, in my opinion, this is like an easy thing to get off your chest because I'll, I'll be honest and I'll start off by saying it, it, it was an okay movie. It was fun. Um, it had entertaining moments and then it just had moments that were just like, ah, all right. This is not one of those movies that you need to really pay so much attention to because everything that happens in this movie really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, especially, with the way the DC universe is now, uh, with everything pretty much changing. So, oh, I want to—I do want to say this because uh, as we were prepping for this show, Blake, you know, he was already kind of trying. He he let me know about some questions he's going to ask me and all that. And we're going to get into some spoiler talk in a little bit. But what Blake doesn't know is that the whole DC universe is changing. Um, so. Uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran are now heading up the DC Universe side of things and um, heading up the creative side, the movie side, TV side, all all properties. And what they're doing is they're pretty much revamping the entire lineup. 
So they already made it pretty known that Henry Cavill is not returning as Superman. That Wonder Woman is kind of in limbo at the moment. They're not sure what they're going to do with Aquaman once that new movie comes out. Um, the this new the Flash Shazam, might be in jail. We'll the see. Flash may be in jail. Maybe multiple they, life sentences or even executed on national TV. We'll see. We don't know. Uh, we'll, that's TBD. Keep watching TMZ for the TV. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it's almost like they're rebooting the entire franchise, the entire landscape of it all. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck is not obviously going to be coming back after his little brief appearance in The Flash. Wait, but wait, what? What, what about Robert Pattinson? So he, so wait, Robert what about Pattinson. Chris, what about Christian Bale? <laughs> wait, what about Jared no, Leto Christian. or Heath Ledger? Or Barry Keoghan, who have all played Joker in recent years. Wait, are, it's almost like they're all over the place. It's almost oh, yeah, like well, they went into this thing without a, a yeah, set plan. And exactly. And as they go. And now they exactly. have a set plan. Don't worry, folks. Yeah, Moving exactly. forward, it's all going to start making sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, like, you know, with with the Pattinson Batman and all that, they, they already mentioned that that Batman will exist, but in an alternate like universe in an alternate kind of like so their main slate of the DC stuff that they're working on right now is is going to be the what they're considering to be the main universe what happens outside is like the batman maybe Shazam you know maybe what we're going to see happen in the flash uh, possibly aquaman this is going to be outside of that main universe wait hold, wait okay hold on sorry there will be, <laughs> so I just wasted so, all my time. So yeah, Go so ahead. basically, so basically, <laughs> just to make it more simple, there's the Batman you know, the Pattinson Batman you know, is not their Batman. It's not their main Batman. So there's going to be a newer sure. main Batman. There's going to be a new Superman. Uh, Wonder Woman, like I said, they don't know yet what they're going to do. Um, well, Aquaman, they don't know yet what they're going to do. Uh, but everything else is is pretty much getting reset and rebooted. So I'm glad you watched Black Adam because they have no plans for Black Adam in the near future. Um, and it sounds to me like they they may have maybe already cut ties with The Rock. <laughs> so... My, the only superhero you didn't mention is Bun Man, uh, Willem Dafoe's character in Aquaman, where he played Man Bun Bun Man. Bun oh, sorry, Man. Bun Man. Yeah. yeah. That's well, one of my favorites. Surprise, he's he's our new Aquaman. No, I'm just <laughs> so yeah. So this movie that just came out tomorrow, yeah. uh-huh. this weekend, does it's not part of the James Gunn DC verse DCU. Is that correct? No, no, because it happened before they took over. So yeah. What are so, we doing here, man? Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> why. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> sitting through this movie, all I could think of was, "Wow, they had plans for this guy. Wow, they had they had they had ideas that I'm sure they wanted to carry through with this guy. We're probably not ever going to be able to see any of that stuff moving forward. Um, and where does he fit now? It's like it's like a throwaway. It's almost like a throwaway type of movie, in my opinion." Um, but I still found it somewhat entertaining. <laughs> yeah, same. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It was, it was like I've had so much movie in my brain right. that I was. 
I'll get you need to my a cleanser. Opinions in, in some moments, but yeah, this one I was like, okay, what's what's one more? What's two more? Right. What's yeah. two more? Just fucking fillers. Yeah. After Saturday, four theater experiences in a row, uh, <laughs> and then the Oscars, and then everything everywhere, and then Lawrence of Arabia. I was like, fuck it, two random two hour and ten minute clunker action comedies that. I thought they mattered. I really thought you're going to be like, well, there's going to be Shazam 3 and this ties into that. I was going to have a lot of questions. How many more times do I get to see Helen Mirren? And if the answer is zero, fuck everyone. Yeah. God damn it. Um, I thought when this ended, I was like, okay, cool. So there'll be... <laughs> you even heard me talking about it before. I know. And I let it go I'm, because I wanted the this hmm. natural reaction to happen right as we were recording. <laughs> I now wish I had done my troll plan, which was going to be going into this as if I loved it. I was like, dude, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Dude, I got so And then you would have watched my face fall. Wait, no, this was They're this still worked, though. Game. This still worked, though. This was still very good. Here's, here's my theory. Yeah. If this makes money, they might keep making them. I know that's going to sound crazy for a studio that doesn't like money and has been throwing it away for tax write-off reasons on right. that girl. But if it's back money, they might make another one. I don't know. This might sure it doesn't matter. None of it matters. (laughs) It doesn't even exist, Renee. It's never coming out. True. True. It was a paperwork, a piece of paper that they made a movie out of and then scrapped for financial gain. That's what happens when you don't plan ahead on your film franchises. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Fuck off. I remember years ago, you and I were deep MCUing. You saw me get caught up with the MCU. Oh, yeah. It was going to be coming out, Infinity War or something. And you watched me watch all the ones I missed, not that Mm -hmm. many, five, so. And being like, okay, this all connects. They planned it out, phases. And every now and then you get an actor switch and switch out. Sure. Sure. Somebody's going to die eventually. Yeah. We don't have Eternium materials whatever it was infinitium whatever they were using <laughs> it doesn't matter apparently yeah yeah we don't have that yet the, the studio definitely wasn't taking that juice whoever's whoever no. was in charge of these projects no and we would talk about the dcu how mm-hmm. you got some great dark knight movies and then you got a lot of weird stuff between the henry cavills and the ben affleck's the Wonder Woman's, the Aquaman's, like, oh, they're starting to figure it out. They had Wonder Woman and Aquaman, two hits in a row. Yeah. And then it was like a good Suicide Squad and a bad Suicide Squad and some flops. And But repeatedly for years, we've been having this conversation. What's DCU doing? Yep. What's DC doing? What's mm-hmm. Warner doing over there? Oh, yeah. What's the plan? And it usually doesn't go well when you don't have a plan. And here we are. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if if yeah, anything, just give me a just, second to grieve. Yeah, the that's fine. I've wasted so many hours on this shit. This At is the end a of the good... first movie. <laughs> this is a At good the first case. Movie, Superman shows case. up like a promise, like yeah, this will matter later. The end of Black Adam. Superman shows up again. Yeah. yeah, this matters. This is part of the universe that we're all invested in, and we all care about. Audience. At the end of this movie, Wonder Woman showed up. And it was like, oh, we're okay. We're oh, we're in we spoilers didn't get you last now. time. We okay. didn't get you time for that. I owe you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. It doesn't matter. See, really. What are we? You can see. You can see how like hyped up like like Blake is right now. But yeah, apparently we're in spoiler territory now. So Just there me, you go. Me. I'm sorry. You have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, go <laughs> ahead. Go, go ahead. How can you spoil something that's already dead? Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. At the end of this one, Wonder Woman shows up. I promise this isn't a waste of time. It all it all connects to this universe we've been building. And now you're telling me even she is TBD. Yeah. I can't, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. That and then and again, that's why like <laughs> seriously, like I was sitting through this this movie. And I'm just looking at what they're trying to accomplish with the character, what they're trying to accomplish with the family, um, all the post-credit scenes that we'll talk about in a minute. And really, in my mind, I was like, wow, they had plans for this guy. And we may not see any of this stuff at all. Like, at all. Now, yeah, of course, if the movie does gangbusters at the box office, then money talks. Minds will change. What no. was your theater experience like? Maybe we should do that here because I that'll help predict what's going on with the box I, office. I, I mean, it was it was. Oh, let's see. So I saw it. It was a four p.m. showing. Uh, it is Thursday, so it's afternoon. Shouldn't it be full. Um, not full at all. It's it's it was like a very average crowd, like a typical crowd on a Thursday at four p.m. Um, like just normal, was, not not too much excitement, but not too little. Right. Right. And a third full quarter. It was, I would say not even, it was like, if I were to count how many people were there, 10 people, including. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was like three kids or or younger, younger people, you know, at one point the, the two kids were running around the theater because they got (laughs) restless and all that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but it, it sounded like matter, Renee. It's okay. it, no at that point i uh, yeah it's fine but it sounded like they still enjoyed it they were clapping at the end of the movie and all that but that could have been a clap for wonder woman because they saw wonder woman show up and they're like hey wonder woman yay um i, I didn't hear I any clapped at the end of the movie because it was finally over well okay well yeah that's like, i'm oh, not surprised good. yeah they, they, they're doing the credits now i'm excited right right um, I mean, they're projecting to do 30 million domestically, maybe, maybe that's a big, maybe. Um, the only thing I will say Good. is that P- Peter Safran, the other guy who's also with James Gunn, he is producer on this film. So it might be something that's dear to his heart because he's attached to it. But at the end of the day, I think if this thing doesn't do well in the box office, this may very well be the last time we have a chance to see Shazam, at least for a while, in, in the DCU. If he's a producer on it, I'm assuming he watched it at some point, which makes me think it's probably not near to his heart. <laughs> well, maybe it is. He Who knows? He would have batgirled, batgirled the thing. He would have been like, no, you guys could just take this take this thing out of its misery. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, the first movie did terrible. really well. The first movie did really well in the box office. And to be honest with you, it surprised me because I, I wasn't expecting it to like it as much as I did. And I think they're just riding off of that wave of like, you know, the first one surprised a lot of people. It did really well. The second one should could possibly do the same. Right. And regardless of like how I felt it was pretty dull in the middle and I felt a lot of moments were just dragging the performances were actually pretty decent for the most Honestly, part. I mean, yeah. Helen Mirren was just fantastic. You know, Lucy I don't Lou, care. Rachel Zegler. Uh, 
Lucy Liu, I thought I I kind of felt she was maybe in a different movie. Um, but Helen Mirren, she gave it her all. I mean, she was completely a hundred percent in it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rachel Zegler, it was her. nice to see her in this role, um, mm-hmm. or in a different role outside of West Side Story. I I want to see her do more stuff now because now I could see like, oh no, she can act. Um, I want to see her do more. Yeah. You know, and then everyone else, they did what they had to do. And I thought they did a very good job. It's just unfortunate that most of the story was just, eh, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it was just, it didn't feel like it meant anything to me. You know, especially now knowing everything that's happening, the more, the more so. So, so Zachary Levy? Levi. Solid, co- Levi, thank you. Solid yeah. comic timing. Jack yeah. Dylan Grazer, who plays oh, Rachel great. Ziegler's love interest person. Love I loved him. him in the Luco Guadagnino, We Are Who We Are um, mm-hmm. HBO show. Megan Good, we're not going to talk about after what you said about her after day shift on Netflix. Um, so we're going to keep moving on. Uh, but I thought she did great. Love her. Lucy <laughs> Liu. I don't know if Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren were ever in the same room when they were filming this movie. I think you're <laughs> onto something. Right. It's possible it was just a green screen, green screen <laughs> cast mate while they're riding a green screen dragon in a green screen city doing yeah. a lot of air flying floating. And stuff. I love Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu is like one of my all time favorites. Like if if I, I always refer to her as uh, my wife in another universe, because if there was ever a moment, that's it. I'm done. Um, it's just this wasn't her movie. This wasn't a, a movie that spoke well for her. Maybe you hold her to a higher standard than I do because I feel Maybe. like I, I've seen her in plenty of stuff and I just go like, oh, she was good. She did her thing. She did yeah. solid action a- acting, staring someone in the eyes and yelling at them. Um, Jimon Hunsu. Oh, overall, um, I almost did the spoiler again. <laughs> um, <overall, laughs> we're, we're, we're in spoiler territory, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter anyway. None of yeah. this. <laughs> I'm just having a little crisis right now. Sorry. Uh, trying, trying, trying to I'm, talk about I'm, something that has been shot. Trying to be like, oh, I'm excited to get coffee with my friend whose funeral was last week. That's that's what I'm trying to get into right now. Wow, okay. Maybe maybe there will be a Shazam 3. Maybe none of it matters. Maybe I'll never see this person again, but yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'm excited to get coffee with him. So, yeah. overall, performances were fine. Here's here's where all because I'm on a roll right now. I guess I'm just like baffled. Black Adam kind of didn't fully pay attention to it, and I didn't miss anything. I kept checking in, be like, "Yep, still the same movie," and I get it. Yeah. We're still flying in the air, blowing things up. Yep. This movie, I really had to go to the bathroom near the end, and I knew I checked there were going to be two stingers, a post credit scene and a stinger at the end. So I was like, "Well, yeah. that's going to be a while." She kept checking my watch, being like, is this thing over? There was a minute, my, my mom sent me an article about Oscars history in the middle of the movie. And I, I, I'm not proud of this. I was in the back, had my jacket up just so the light's not going everywhere. Just fully <laughs> read an article, kept checking in, being like, yeah, nothing's, I'm not missing anything. At some point, I got really in the article. I looked up and go, oh, shit, what I miss? Ah, uh, okay, yeah, nothing. And I was fine. So I felt pretty good about this bet. It's the final, final fight scene, mm-hmm. which is the thing you're waiting for in these movies. Sure. He's floating in the air. Lucy Lou's floating in the air. There's a lot of lightning happening and there's a dome. 
that set piece and I'm waiting for it. They're building it up and building it up and the unicorns have happened and the Skittles paid promotion has happened and the dome gets smaller and I, they've, they've laid out the plan. I go, okay, I know how this movie is going to end. They're definitely going to do that plan. And there'll be a couple dumb jokes in there and there'll be a big explosion. We're going to think he's going to be dead and he's probably going to be alive. So I just kept checking my, okay, it's still going. I really need to use the bathroom now. I, I have to see those credit scenes just out of obligation. I'm not going to be able to do both. This is like right before he's doing his like, I'm about to give you all the wrath. He's doing his puppet. And I just walked out. I was like, I know what's happening and this doesn't fucking matter. And so it's like the most hype final battle moment of the entire movie, which is the part you normally don't want to leave. And I was like, fuck it. I walked out. I came back in and his family is grieving his loss. I go, yep, this is exactly what I thought happened. I'm sure there was a big blue ball on the screen for a moment. Uh, and we confirm Lucy Liu probably died and then he died. And then I watched him. I go, wait for it. And yep, just like Superman a couple movies ago, dude gets resurrected. How cool is that? Movie magic, baby. Yeah. Gal Gadot, glad I stayed around for all that stuff. But I literally, the moment that was the most anticipated built up to, I just mm-hmm. fucking walked out and didn't miss a <laughs> damn thing. What does that yeah. say, dude? That's so sad. I mean, it, it just tells me that you haven't changed. Like, I, these movies are never really meant for you. And especially when I saw this movie, particularly, I had a feeling, like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. Blake is not going to like this movie one bit. Yeah, I got an MCU. I like blockbuster stuff. I liked Top Gun Maverick. I like Avatars. I yeah. enjoy those. This one was just a lot of air flying floaty. Like, I'll use my power. Sure. Use your power. There's no... Yeah. Like, I, no and I know how it's going to end. And then I know how it's going to re-close up at the end. But there, on top of that, there's a lot of ancient gods and witches. Mm-hmm. And that's where I also am like, this is so not real. Yeah. And even some of those movies can be successful if you at least give me something where I'm watching for something. The humor can be Some great. Is, the writing, yeah. the character development, the there are stakes in it. Like something might actually happen. But yeah. once we were just so far in make-believe costume, cosplay, La La Land. Yeah. And I knew none of this. And then now learning that none of it is even connected to things it's connected to things that will never exist at best and it might not continue to exist that's wild that's yeah no it's all of a whole you you definitely like it when there's something tangible something you you could like relate to or or a touch of realism something that's a little bit more grounded um and shazam was never that you know shazam was always very fantastical um if anything the first one I enjoyed yeah. it. I at least had a good time. <laughs> and this I think the was, reason I laughed multiple times. I was like, oh, and the theater, my theater about a third full, quarter full. Yeah, I, I think I think the reason why you and, and many other people love the first one is because they really leaned in very heavily on the whole family thing, on the whole belonging and, and all that. Here yeah. they kind of got away from that a little bit because now everyone's growing up. You know, the the message there was uh, family will be there, but not always around, you know, so you have to do you kind of thing like that and, and learn to do that. Uh, you know, a lot of the maturation of characters and all. So I, I felt like that was missing. Um, so that 
those things that you fell in love with in the first one, you don't necessarily will see so much here in this one. And this one was really more of the fantastical stuff, more of like the, you know, every time you have a movie where everyone's a superhero, then it's like, all right, you know, then then what's the deal? What's the what's the real stakes here, right? Um, but but yeah, I mean, like I said, like like you, I felt the same. Like there was some stuff that I laughed at, you know, and I laughed out loud with because you know it was funny. Um, but then there were just a lot of moments in between that were just like, oh, this is dragging. Oh, that's dragging. Or they're trying to be very cutesy here. And, you know, if you were an eight-year-old, you're probably laughing your ass off. Like, for me, I'm just like, oh, no, let's, let, you know, you're spending too much time doing this. Let's let's keep it moving um, and all that. So um, I'm not surprised you felt that way. You know, I, I was kind of expecting it, to be honest. For, for a, a two-hour and ten-minute Skittles commercial, honestly, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> For the first best movie, line, was... best line in in the movie when she was on the the unicorn and she's like, "Taste a rainbow, mother!" And did they just cut and cut it like that? <laughs> like that's like that had me laughing so hard. Great timing on that. The theater's biggest laugh was the first "Taste the Rainbow," and I was like, "You all are laughing because you've heard that before in a Skittles sure. commercial." And this is yep. a reference mm-hmm. to a thing everyone knows. Yep. that sucks. But for the first movie directed uh, and written by AI. Uh, it was actually really good. Brought to you by Chat GPT. No, wait. It was the magic. Yeah, it was the magic pin that just dictates. That's that was how they created this movie. That was AI. That 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 was their take on yeah. AI. That was that was like wow. They called it. They knew that this was going to happen. So it it if if anything, this movie kind of foreseen the future. Exactly. Hear me out. Uh, that was so yeah those things about it and there were definitely some jokes in there you're right the family thing and to the point where literally he's making a joke about a movie franchise that the the star of black adam is known for yeah where he's saying oh just like fast and furious it's all about family and that's just a thing and it's not Mm -hmm. actually you know earned he has to he's had a tough childhood and he, he his family is so important and why and we don't. We spend time with the kids as kids, and we spend time with them as adults as adults. But a lot of it's just kind of baked into the plot. We understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's the cute girl, and this is she's optimistic. She does this thing, and uh, they didn't do, have to do as much character development or that family. The just the foundations of it, the human foundations of it, weren't really earned this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see you're really struggling there to think of another point. I'm I'm literally going through my notes and like I have a couple questions on why it ex- like not why it exists on like things that are happening in it, mm-hmm. but like I just don't I I'm currently out of energy for this whole the DCU of it all. And after five plus years of ask, us asking like what's the plan, how's this going to work. And then just being proven right of my cynicism yeah. from years ago, it's, it takes the wind out of your sail at that point. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, while you debate on whether or not you want to ask me those questions and get clar- clarity. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. If you want, if you want to uh, me, but go, ahead, go for it. Uh, l- let's just quickly talk about the post credit scenes and what could have been. <laughs> because I think it's good to speculate on what could have been. Yeah. Um, the first post credit scene we get 
we, you know, basically we get reintroduced to uh, Harcourt and um, the the big guy from uh, Peacemaker. So these were two characters that we were introduced to in Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And then we got to learn more about in the Peacemaker HBO show. Yeah. Renee, I love you. I'm so sorry. I am so (laughs) fucking done with this DC shit. I, this is gonna be the moment where I, I go off camera for a second. I yeah, that's fine. Bathroom. Just like yeah. the movie, you're getting into it. You're getting revved up, and that's I fine. just can't wait. So I'll be I'll I'll be right back. I'll I'll leave you in my ear. I'm sorry. That's, that's perfectly fine. No, you don't have to apologize <laughs> at all. Fringe. That's okay. Um, but basically, yeah. So we we see them walking and they're meeting up with Shazam, right? Billy Batson. They know him by name and all that. And basically, they're there because they want to recruit him to the Justice Society. Now, what was very fascinating and interesting about that is because we were introduced to the Justice Society in Black Adam. And if you remember, that consists of Hawkman, um, the big Adam guy, I I forget what his name was, um, uh, Whirlwind or whatever her name was, and Dr. Fate who passed away, but I am pretty sure they were planning to probably have another Dr. Fate. So, that would have been kind of like the entry to have Shazam join that team that the team could potentially eventually come toe to toe with Black Adam, right? Because in the comics, in the lore, obviously Black Adam and Shazam, they are enemies and they go fight each other eventually multiple times and all that stuff. So when that happened, again, I couldn't help but sit there and laugh because I'm like, wow, they had this all planned out. You know, the fact that they had these, you know, reoccurring characters come in and and film this little scene. And who knows, maybe he could have, you know, shown up in another DC property like Suicide Squad or maybe Peacemaker or whatever. Um, Shazam would have eventually probably been like the She-Hulk. If there was like a Marvel equivalent, maybe someone who just shows up in other properties as, hey, I'm this guy and I'm fanboying and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, So that was that. And then after all the credits play out and at the very end, we get another post credit scene where we are reintroduced to Mark Strong's villain from the first Shazam movie. And, you know, he's in prison and he meets up with the little worm thingy that can talk. Um. This is something that I myself have to go back and watch the first one in order to remember who that character is. But basically, it's like the worm guy trying to recruit Mark Strong and, you know, promise him that he's going to get him out of jail and they're going to do whatever they're going to do and whatever. So keeping the hopes alive that there could have been another sequel in the works or planned out with a potential Shazam 3. Now, like I said, and and broke the news earlier and kind of ruined all of Blake's um, uh, hopes and dreams in the whole matter, we're probably not going to end up seeing any of this stuff. You know, so it was one of those like moments in time where all you could do is sit there and watch and just think of what if, right? Now, if DC was to do a what if series like Marvel has done, then maybe we could still see this. But they're not known for that kind of stuff. But it was just very interesting to see that play out and kind of just in my mind be like, well, what if? What could have been? You know, what 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 was the potential here? What what where could we have seen Shazam show up or team up with or 
you know, fight and all that stuff. Um, so that's that. Uh, Blake is back. So, I mean, did you have any other comment about the post credit oh, scenes yeah. or, you know? Yeah. How how poetic is it that the caterpillar? Mm-hmm. I guess I think it's a caterpillar. Yeah. One, it never became a butterfly, just like this franchise. Two, right. <laughs> how poetic is it that the caterpillar walks up and Mark Strong is like, I've been here for two years. Did you forget about me? And it's like, I take a long time to slither from one place to another. And really, it's just another metaphor for the fucking DC universe. Like, <laughs> I've been uh, wandering around and wasting your time. I'm so sorry. You should be uh, happy we remembered you. feel better. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is at this point. Oh, I think you muted yourself. Oh, well, Blake figures out uh, maybe his AirPods ran out of battery. Um, he's going to figure that out. But yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a little unfortunate. I know Shazam, after the first movie, became a very popular character with a lot of people. I have friends who love the character and, and obviously wanted to see more. I'm sure a lot of DC fans... We're hoping to see more, hoping to see that eventual uh, showdown between him and Black Adam and maybe that potential team up with Superman, right? Because he is such a huge Superman fanboy. Uh, maybe another run in with Wonder Woman. I thought that was really cute, the little Gal Gadot moment that they had there. And the fact that they got Gal Gadot to come in to set maybe for a day and film her scenes and do what she needs to do. Uh, I thought that was pretty cute. It was nice to see her again. If this is the last time we see her as Wonder Woman, it was just nice to see that. And of course, I had all of this stuff running through my head. Uh, Blake, are you are you mic'd up? Are you good to go? You, you said that Gal Gadot came to the set for a day. She it was a green screen, dude. She's just got a green screen in her garage at home. She's <laughs> she, like, she just did it herself, like what I have here. Like I like yeah, I just pulled this thing down and. <laughs> It may have been CGI, AI, Gal Gadot. It doesn't, yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, I, I I, have a question. Okay. But I, I don't know if I can even, or I'm going to try to make it more important. When I was watching the movie, I'm asking, they have a whole spiel about how magic defeats magic. Okay. Magic can kill magic. And that's like it's like a thing that happens. And I'm trying to pay attention to their magic logic because they get it looks like they get to make it up as they go. But apparently there's a rule which is like your magic. Oh, you think your your magic is invisible? We have magic too, and that can defeat your magic. Why couldn't the magic defeat the bio, the dome, the biodome, whatever? I didn't understand what, how the fuck Helen Mirren made a dome that they couldn't destroy mm-hmm. with the same material that they're using to build the dome. I guess I don't know. It's a spell, maybe. My real question though that I'm going to ask. You don't have to get into the dome of it all, but did you find this movie believe, believable? Is probably not the right word, but did you find yourself like rolling your eyes at some of those things? As a comic book fan, you have more suspension of disbelief with these things. Were you were you into it, or were you kind of going like, "Ah, this is a little whack"? Um, I I found myself just going with the flow most of the time. Okay. You know, I was just Good like, oh, "Okay, that's interesting." You know. Um, with, with any, with magic, you know, someone has a certain spell and you have to have a counter spell. So if, if you don't have the counter spell, there's no way you could defeat whatever that magic is. And as, as the movie shows, Shazam is, he's still learning. He's still learning a lot of stuff. So obviously he doesn't have the answers to it all. 
So I, I personally think that's how you could explain the whole dome thing. The only time that I did kind of like roll my eyes just a tad was when it it seemed like it turned into Dungeons and Dragons at the end. When all of these like mythical yeah. creatures came out, you had your Cyclopses and your your um, you know Banshees and and like you said the unicorns and all that. I'm just like, wow, we were really going full on like you know mystic creatures here, mythic creatures and all that. Um, I understand. It like, almost felt like Ultron era of MCU yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. That, that fight fight scene. Which yeah. reminds me, there's the joke where he's trying to figure out what the other names could have been in the stingers <laughs> for Justice League, Justice Society. He's like, yeah, let me just use a thesaurus. And he goes, what about yeah. Avengers League? And it's it's sad now, too, because it's like a what yeah. could have been, right. essentially. Not a, oh, we're doing great, and they're now falling off. Now both, apparently, are in rebuilding mode, as they say in the in, 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 in a way. What, what, one definitely more than the other, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just, yeah, that, that whole thing, like, and yeah, it's good that you said it that way too, because I, the feeling I got throughout most of this movie is that it did feel like an old school superhero movie. It didn't feel like one that fits this current generation. This is something like we've already seen. And I, that's why it felt very familiar. Um, and unfortunately it also didn't feel new. So that could be another reason why I was just like, eh. You know, like it's because it's I feel like it's it's just we've seen this stuff already before and it's not that exciting anymore. Um, you know, and could it have been done differently? Maybe. Or maybe my feeling would have been different if I knew that this is going to be carried on to do more stuff. So right. but at the end of the day, it was just, you know, I kind of equated to that one comic book issue that is just a one off issue. That's like we're here to tell you just a side story. If you want to read it, you can. If you don't, it won't affect the rest of the lore or whatever it is, you know. So enjoy it for what it is. But uh, but yeah. What Which, was uh, uh well? Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I've been a punk about this movie, mm -hmm. but honestly, I did. I it, it helped that I was able to walk away, come back in, yeah, sitting in an area where I could use my phone because the theater wasn't full enough, like. If I if I just was pretty burnt out by the end after Black Adam and this movie, long long movie week, I really wanted a like oh yeah that was dumb but I got into it and that was fun. Yeah. Overall, there's good jokes. There's some decent action set pieces. They're not reinventing the wheel. It's it's you know cereal breakfast cereal. It's just a regular routine you do before you do something else it's sugary as hell mm. empty calories but i wasn't properly pissed like i there was a moment where i was like do i walk out of the city I go, no, i'm having a fine time i've laughed enough the special effects were fine you know i think they were better than black adam honestly but uh, I, I would agree there for sure yeah 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 so overall i i've been i've been uh a pisser in this episode <laughs> it, it's late and it's been a while you had a week you had a and week. i didn't i didn't overall there's things about this movie that properly made me just like what the fuck are we doing sure and then yeah. you told me that you really just <laughs> took a sick dog and shot it <laughs> well with all that with all that said what was your final letterbox rating two, two. okay 
I'm not which, surprised by that. I checked Old Shazam, which I remember enjoying two and a half for that one, just because it's oh. a phone it in. Okay. That's for you. That's a decent score for me. That's bad. Yeah. A like a phone it in, but nothing new and nothing interesting. Action movie usually gets mm-hmm. three and a half for me. That's my mark. Is three and a half is like you didn't mess anything up. You were good, not great. That's a three and a half. This was two and a half and two, and I think Black Adam was two or one and a half, something like that. So not great for a three part little side franchise. Yeah. Oh, well, that's unfortunate for you. Uh, it, well, because you had to watch or you, you you put yourself through Black Adam and then immediately this movie. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. If if I knew that was going to be your trajectory, I would have been like, uh, you know what? Maybe you should hold off <laughs> on the Black Adam for next week. It, if bother. you so choose. <laughs> um, For me, I gave it I gave it a three um, because I, for me, it's it's middling. Right. So it was like a middling type of movie for me. Um, I think Shazam, the first one, I never rated it on Letterboxd, but if I believe I would have given it a four because that's how much I really liked it back then uh, when it came out. But this one was definitely uh, a step down from it all um, from that. But uh, didn't hate it. But at the same time, I don't think I will ever watch it again unless I wanted to refer to those post credit scenes if that led to something right that's what i was gonna say if you knew because like i'm not as into this world as you are Mm -hmm. if you knew that this mattered and would play out later you would have been paying much more attention because you're looking for oh that weapon might be referenced in the next movie you're like you're you get deep in these lores okay this this side character number six is going to really pay off in the next one i heard they cast him in it but the fact that there's there's nothing to look forward to makes it just the, the nihilism of it all. Um, yeah. The fact you gave it three, though, that's actually pretty good. But yeah. I might yeah. If you were Again, to go one way or the other, because I know you don't do half scores, so is it more of a three and a half or is it more of a two and a half? You know, it's definitely, it it's, de- it's definitely more of two and a half. It's okay. definitely more of two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're, I don't like half scores. No, no, not at all. I know, yeah. Yeah. And I also knew it wasn't <laughs> three and a half for an A. I knew it wasn't no. even 3.1. <laughs> oh, no. Up on this guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving him the the old good old curve. Yeah, you know, he's working on. They're working on the curve right there. So, but yeah. That being said, what did you all think of Shazam? Hopefully, you saw the movie because we really got into spoilers talk like right away. But that's fine. Again, I don't think we we ruined the experience for any of you. At least we hope not. But if you saw the movie or if you didn't see the movie, regardless, we want to hear from you. What did you think about Shazam? Our talk about Shazam, or if you did see it, what did you think of Shazam as a whole? Let us know about all that stuff in the comments. But that is our episode of Movie Time for this week. Thank you again so much for joining us. Before we head on out, Blake, where can people find you on the interwebs? Go to Letterboxd. Search members. Last name Wolf. That's my username. Last name Wolf. There you go. And you could see it on the bottom of your screen there. And along with my username there on Letterboxd, you see it right there. But it's like anything else on socials. It's low-key geek, whether it's Twitter, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, or most importantly here on YouTube. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe buttons if you haven't done so yet. Follow us on podcast formats. With through your podcast platform of choice, just type in Loki Geek there where you could 
find this episode and many others. And don't forget to leave a great rating if it ever prompts you to. Also, if you're in a further position to want to help the channel grow, definitely check out our affiliates in the description of this episode. If you like the t-shirt I'm wearing, you can get one yourself. Just hit that link in the description and there may be a code there to get yourself a little nice discount while you're at it. You help support this channel at no additional cost to you and you get something awesome for yourself or for a loved one. So thank you so much. Again, this is it for us. I've been Renee. That's been Blake. This has been Movie Time. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. We will see you next week. All right, peace out, y'all.